It's Ted Bohorquez here with News Talk KZRG. Welcome to this week's episode of Plot Summary. This is where I take everything that me, Peter, and Steve discussed this week on the Morning News Watch, and I give it to you in a nice little plot summary of what went down. Now, Peter was out this week, so it was just up to me and good old Steve Scotty. We're going to get this week kicked off, uh, per usual, with the little Joe Biden. This week, polls were released. Joe Biden hit a 41% approval rating, which is near the lowest it has ever been. Now, most people that were involved in this poll cited inflation as their primary issue. Meanwhile, Biden is trying to convince Americans that the economy is better than it's ever been and better than they think it is with his new Bidenomics. Bidenomics? Bidenomics. I think that's how he says it. So he's been doing uh, big media circles, him and his team, talking about how good the economy is, uh, and people aren't really buying it. They've been talking about how inflation is lower than it's been in like nine months or something, which is true. Inflation is down, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything because, A, it's going down to where it was before Biden took over, and B, people think that if inflation is down, then costs go down. Well, in order for costs to go down, it would have to actually be anti-inflation, right? It would have to be the inverse of inflation. If inflation is going down, all that means is your money is getting less valuable at a slightly slower pace than it was before. But the problem is still there. And that's part of the stuff that we discussed this week on the Morning News Watch was that simple fact that the Biden administration have been very clever and, broadly speaking, pretty successful at convincing Americans that if inflation is down, then their money is getting more and more valuable but that's that's not the case your money is getting less valuable at a slightly slower pace than it was before which is actually a higher pace than it was in the previous couple presidencies so there's that to keep in mind as well now back to these polls like i said biden hit 41 percent near the lowest it's ever been which is not great and in that very same poll only 20 percent of americans think that this country is on the right track only 20 percent think that we're on the right track. That's very, very low. Very grim outlook that Americans have, which, to be frank, I find to be kind of disturbing and rather unfortunate, but that's where we're at. Something else that we discussed this week on the Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG within the bane of Joe Biden, his vacations. Well, a report came out this week. The president has apparently spent 353 days, which is 39% of his presidency, on vacation, 359 days. Let's see. He was elected in 2020. It's 2023. 359. That's almost an entire year. He spent almost an entire year while being the president on vacation. <laughs> That's crazy. There's 365 days a year. If he goes on vacation for 12 more days, he would have spent one year out of four years on vacation. That is nuts. That's a nuts statistic. That's a lot, a lot of vacation. Ironically enough, Donald Trump wasn't even away from the White House for as long as Biden has been. And on top of that, Barack Obama was, it, was away from the White House an even smaller amount than Donald Trump. Man, I, I, don't, I don't know how Biden was able to swing this, but I'll tell you what. That's a sweet job right there. I would love to sign a four-year contract with the company and spend one year of that getting paid, and and not going to work, just being on vacation. That's a pretty sweet deal. Some other Biden news that we discussed this week. Um, an FBI informant claims that he possesses 
two pieces of direct evidence that show Joe Biden and Hunter Biden received $5 million from a Ukrainian businessman after Joe Biden supposedly threatened to withhold aid to Ukraine until a very specific prosecutor who was investigating Hunter Biden was fired. An FBI informant claims he has actual evidence to prove this. Now, of course, he did not release that actual evidence. So as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't it's not there. I could say right now I have evidence to uh, to that would put Hillary Clinton behind bars. But a I would get suicided and b until I actually show that evidence. I'm just talking out of my mouth. So while it would be exciting to see that evidence, I think a, a bit a bit of scrutiny is uh, in order with this. If you have the evidence, release it. That simple. That's my thoughts anyway. Now, the FBI informant, supposedly he has these documents, and additionally, the Ukrainian businessman who supposedly wired Hunter and Joe $5 million, that businessman supposedly kept 17, specifically 17, audio recordings of his conversations with Hunter and Joe Biden as an insurance policy. That way, I guess if he disappears, then these records go out. Sort of a, uh, a dead man switch type situation. I don't know. So supposedly the FBI informant has evidence, and supposedly this Ukrainian businessman has evidence. I would like to see this evidence. I would be very, very interested in seeing this evidence. But it has not come out to date. And finally, the last couple of topics we discussed this week in the Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG pertaining to Joe Biden or at least to the White House in general, the cocaine, la cocaina, that was found in the big house. If you don't know, essentially what happened was uh, Secret Service found a dime baggie, which is like a gram, a little small. Uh, It's probably the size of, it's probably the size of like maybe a little bit bigger than, you know, your average key fob. You know, like the, if you have your car key and you push the button that unlocks the car, that, that little, that plastic chunk Probably like the size of a dime bag. So it's about that small of cocaine. Doesn't matter because any amount of cocaine is illegal, whether it's a lot or a little. Still not allowed to have it. Plot twist, in case you didn't know. Well, they found a dime baggie of cocaine in the White House. Now, originally, uh, the Biden administration or members of the administration, the team, so to speak, they said, well, this was a heavily trafficked uh, part of the White House, so anybody could have left it. It could have been a visitor for all we know. But since then, it's been proven that that was not the case. And in fact, this cocaine was found in a part of the White House that your average Joe, your citizen, cannot access. It was in a part of the White House that only people with access to the White House could have gotten to. If I was visiting the White House, I would not have been able to get to that portion of the house. So to say anybody left it is a pretty big exaggeration. It could not have been just anybody. It could only have been a very select few, and that very select few, those that have security clearances to that part of the White House. This week, Democrats were calling the discovery of cocaine political nonsense. Uh, Basically, they argued that the conservatives are fixating on this find just to embarrass Democrats. Well, A, uh, they kind of embarrassed themselves when cocaine was found in the White House, I don't think you need a whole lot of help from the Republicans to embarrass you after that. And B, I think that I don't think this is political nonsense. You know, this is a great example of there are rules and the citizens of this country are expected to follow those rules. 
Well, I think the rule makers should also be expected to follow those rules. And I think that a lot of people think that way. So if you have a rule in this country that cocaine is illegal, and if you are caught with cocaine, then you're going to go to jail for a long, long, long time. If that's the rule that's set forth, well, I think that it should also apply to the leaders of this country. And I think that they should investigate and figure out whose cocaine that was. If you set rules, you got to follow the rules, you know, and where I think some of the frustration comes from, and this is what we discussed in the Morning News Watch, is this is uh, like a, a drug version of the COVID lockdowns. You know, California had all these crazy COVID mandates. Uh, and there's that famous example of when Gavin Newsom, a Democrat, said nobody's allowed to get their hair cut indoors. And then what comes out like two weeks later? Nancy Pelosi, a Democrat, getting her hair cut indoors without a mask on, just walking around. And people were frustrated. They said, well, how come you get to do it and I don't? If you want to be a leader, lead the people. Lead by example. If you set a COVID mandate, lead by example by following that mandate. If you set a rule saying you can't do cocaine, lead by example by not doing cocaine. Or at least by ensuring that those who do do cocaine are held accountable, even if they're part of your own political party. You would think that that's how they operate, but unfortunately... It kind of isn't. Now, the Secret Service were the ones in charge of this investigation, trying to find out whose cocaine this was. And they said, uh, you know, we may never know. Mystery unsolved. The, The case was opened this week into investigating, and it was also closed this week. They said, well, you may we may never know who left the cocaine. They said uh, security cameras were down. Classic. They said there was nothing suspicious in the in the visitors' logs, classic. At one point, it even came out that they actually found a fingerprint on the bag of cocaine. This is the Secret Service and the FBI we're talking about. Certainly, they can do something as basic as lift a fingerprint, but of course, they were unable to do that. Apparently, the fingerprint came back inconclusive. They didn't quite lift the fingerprint up properly. Shocker, I think not. But then the plot thickens, because as I said before, the story that they were trying to spin is that it could have been anybody. You know, it could have been just any visitor that had walked in could have just left cocaine on the table, which is crazy that they didn't get, you know, patted down or or screened at all. I guess I guess you could just walk in with cocaine. I guess you could just walk into the White House with cocaine. There's less security at the White House than there was at my high school is essentially what I'm hearing. But the plot thickens because after they spun that story of it could have been just anybody, it came out that apparently the cocaine was found in a locker, specifically Locker 50. Now, the White House is in charge of all the lockers within it. And what's this? It appears the key to Locker 50 is missing. Now, I've watched enough Scooby-Doo in my day to be able to say this quite confidently. If you find whoever has that key you're probably going to find whoever left that cocaine. FBI, I just gave you a pro tip. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what uh, good old Sleepy Joe is up to this week that we discussed on the Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG. That's what the White House was up to. They had a pretty busy cocaine-filled week this week. little bonus story for you that we discussed about the White House. Kamala Harris... She announced a brand new national crisis this week, a new national crisis 
that requires her immediate and full attention. And that national crisis is airplane bathrooms. Yes, airplane bathrooms has made the list this week of national crises. Kamala Harris said, quote, The majority of domestic flights do not have accessible restrooms. This is absolutely unacceptable, and our administration will soon announce a solution to help end this inequity. End quote. I have to say, I think she has what it takes to become president. A new national crisis, airplane bathrooms, a crisis so scary I didn't even know I had to be worried about it. That's how big brain this problem is. Myself and average Joe could not possibly comprehend how complicated and necessary and terrifying the, the crisis of inequitable airplane bathrooms is. Let me tell you something, bud. You can't use the airplane bathroom. Drive like the other 250 million Americans do. You want to talk about inequity? Not everyone can afford to get onto an airplane. They're expensive, Kamala. Do you think of that one? Why don't you talk about the inequity of which Burger Kings offer ices? Those are my favorite treats at Burger King, and not all of them do. Let's discuss that inequity, because that's about just as important as the inequity of airplane bathrooms. Yeah, the White House, uh, look, Kamala's getting busy, man. Kamala's staying busy. You got to give her that. She's always working on something to better this country. Moving on from there, uh... A slightly more serious and in-depth topic that we discussed quite a bit this week was the FBI. They uh, they were in some pretty hot water this week as the Oversight Committee, as well as the House Judiciary Committee, conducted a series of questionings and probings into the behavior of the FBI. There was a myriad of topics discussed. One of the big ones was FBI was the FBI and their role in censorship, mind you, unlawful censorship. FBI Director Christopher Wray testified on Wednesday of this week that the Bureau did in fact meet with social media companies to censor. He said that the Bureau continued to meet with social media companies up until a federal judge issued a preliminary injunction, which is fancy talk for a temporary rule that says you're not allowed to do that. And essentially what the FBI's argument was, was they said Nobody told us we were not allowed to meet with social companies and censor people. And so since nobody said we weren't allowed to do that, we thought that we were allowed. And then a judge came and issued a preliminary injunction saying we're not allowed to do that. And oh, silly us. What a silly mistake we made. Now I know that we're not allowed. I had no clue up until this point. I had no idea that was wrong. But now that somebody told me it's wrong, now we're going to stop. Uh, sure. Here's the deal with this. If you remember, the FBI swore up and down that they weren't meeting with social media companies at all. Turns out they were. Then the FBI swore up and down that they were meeting with social media companies, but it was not to censor political speech. Turns out they were. Then the FBI swore up and down they weren't shadow banning or censoring people and that they'd never even heard of those words. Turns out they, along with social media companies, were. And now the FBI says that they stopped doing it because this judge issued a temporary rule saying that they can't. Well, excuse me for being skeptical of what is commonly referred to as their word. They just give us their word that they stopped doing this. 
Well, they gave us their word that they weren't meeting with social media companies, pressuring social media companies to censor lawful free speech, shadow banning and censoring people en masse for political opinions. They gave us their word they weren't doing that. And they were. They lied to us. So why should we trust their word now when Christopher Ray says that they stopped? I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why we should believe them. And I know someone who doesn't believe them, and that's the state of Missouri and the state of Louisiana, <laughs> because they're both suing the Biden administration over their practice of doing just that, meeting with companies, having them and the FBI and the Department of Justice meet with these social media companies and ban the words and ideas of the political opposition. Sounds pretty gnarly to me. Another thing that the FBI got grilled for was the investigation, or should I say, lack thereof, into the Biden family. Specifically, with regards to, as I, as we discussed earlier, potential fraud. Joe Biden threatening to refuse military aid to Ukraine unless Ukraine gives him $5 million. What Republicans were asking the FBI is this seems like something that the Department of Justice and a branch of it would be very interested in getting to the bottom of. We have potential corruption. Not only do we have potential corruption, but we have potential corruption with a nation that we may or may not be going into war with in the future. That seems pretty high stakes to me. And the FBI was grilled. One congressman simply said, You, sir, seem deeply uncurious about the Biden family investigation. Almost suspiciously uncurious. Are you protecting the Bidens? That was a question asked directly of FBI Director Christopher Wray. Now, the director said, no, he's not protecting the Bidens. Of course, of course, why would he do that? Would never, never dream of it. But the question still stands. It is curious how uncurious they are to investigate this issue. They were very, very, very good at investigating Donald Trump. We saw their full force. We saw how organized they can be. We saw how much research they can do. We saw the depths that they had the ability to go to dig up dirt and find answers. And good for them for investigating. Do that again with the current president. Was it a one and done? Did they use all of their energy and what? Now they're tired. Now they can't do that same mentality to the current president who may also be engaged in fraudulent behavior. Guess not. Guess they got tired. Tired of doing their job. Jim Jordan, Republican Ohio representative, he confronted the FBI director, Christopher Wray, about targeting Catholic Americans. The FBI is in the hot seat for a lot. Censorship, not doing their job of investigating crime, targeting Catholic Americans. I mean, they're they're all over the place here. It's crazy. And essentially what Jim Jordan was asking was uh, uh, the situation that was uh, in the news a couple, about a year ago now, uh, of the FBI putting spies into Catholic churches. Christopher Ray denied that that ever happened. He said, that's not true. That's a lie. We never did that. And then Jim Jordan pulled out what kids these days call the receipts. He said, really? Because I have an internal FBI memo in my hands right here that said you guys did exactly that, almost to a T. It said that you guys are going to put spies into Catholic churches. Then the FBI said, oh, okay, all right, yes, you got the memo, you got me there. But 
We never actually did it. That was a, a suggestion. People suggested that we should put spies into Catholic churches, and we're now doing an internal review about whether or not that was an appropriate idea to pitch. Sure. Okay, great. Well, what else did the memo say? Well, then Jim Jordan asked, well, why would you think that was necessary to put spies into a religious organization? Why is that necessary? Well, according to the memo, it said that they are expecting a huge spike of Catholic extremism within the next 24 months, which is exactly running up to the general election in 2024. So the spike of extremism is people that disagree with Democrats on a religious basis. Is that the extremism that's <laughs> that's the extremism? I'm going to start saying that. I'm going to be like, um, I, I'm just like, if people, if anybody disagrees with me, I'm going to call them an extremist. Like, wow, I thought the new Indiana Jones movie was just okay. And if somebody said it's the best movie they've ever seen, oh, you're an extremist. Sorry. Extremism. Oh, what's that? You like tomatoes? I don't like tomatoes. That must mean you are an extremist. Anyone that doesn't agree. I mean, I mean, is that the spike of extremism they were talking about? And specifically running up to the general election. So after, so in their mind, after Biden wins a second term, the extremism is gone. We're good to go. Biden's back in. We're fine. We're safe. We're good. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. And clearly, uh, you know, House Republicans thought so, too, because they were they were really hounding him on it. A couple of other small a couple of other small things that were asked of uh, FBI director Christopher Wray. Um, the issue of the Hunter Biden text message, uh, Hunter Biden, there is a message through WhatsApp, which is an international texting service. Run by uh, Facebook. Good old Mark Zuckerberg. Hunter Biden texted a, a Chinese energy company saying, I'm sitting here with my father. I'm, this is a, an abridged version, but he said something to the effect of, I'm sitting here with my father. He said that specifically. And we're wondering why the goods and services that were promised have not been delivered. Send us money or we're going to come after you. He essentially did a shakedown of a Chinese energy company. Well, you know what? If you're doing business with a Chinese energy company, that's one thing. But the fact that you have not come clean about it and that it's not on your tax records and that your father, the president of the United States, may have independent personal business with a country that is a direct adversary of the people that you were elected to lead and represent. There's a little phrase called conflict of interest, Joe, and that might be what we have here. Another issue that was asked of the FBI was whether or not there were undercover agents at January 6th. The Ray Epps situation is a very famous example of that. If you don't know what that is, check it out on YouTube. But essentially, there's a lot of um, what appears to be at first sight a lot of video evidence of FBI informants rallying up the crowd and adding a lot, a lot of fuel to the fire of what became January 6th. And if that is proven, we have a simple matter of entrapment on our hands. And we also have the simple issue that the taxpayer basically paid the FBI to start the January 6th riot, if that's the case. But the FBI director was not very interested in discussing that matter for very long. 
We had some uh, pretty interesting technology news this week in the morning news watch at News Talk KZRG. Massachusetts lawmakers are weighing a near total ban on buying and selling location data from consumers' mobile devices. The state is thinking of essentially making a new law that says companies, Apple, Facebook, you know, what Candy Crush, I don't know, any app you have that uses location data, they would no longer be legally allowed to sell the location data of those living in Massachusetts. Will this go through? Who knows? But this is the first serious and major attempt to rein in on a billion-dollar industry that profits off of you. You are the product that they are selling, and they're making a billion dollars. Now, several states over the years have made various proposals of similar measures, but no state has ever gone so far as to completely ban the sale of location data. That's not to say it's going to happen, but they're really thinking about it. Meanwhile, while Massachusetts is trying to protect people from companies who are taking advantage of people by selling what isn't theirs, i.e. consumer data, Threads is doing quite the opposite. If you don't know, Threads is the quote-unquote Twitter killer. It's the fifth one this year. Spoiler alert, none of them actually killed Twitter. Threads is Facebook's version of Twitter. They pretty much hit the copy-paste on Twitter's system and threw it onto their own and called it Threads. Well, people got pretty upset after it was revealed that the new platform asks, nay, demands users to hand over more data than ever, way more than its competitor and way more than it other similar platforms have asked for. Here's a little taste of what threads, what data threads is taking from you. And again, this is if you download the app. You don't even need to make an account. By simply downloading this app onto your phone, this is what they are stealing from you. Your name, your email addresses, your user ID information, your phone number. They're able to extract your political beliefs, your sexual orientation. They're able to locate your, your religious affiliations. They get the information on user payment information. And what that is, is your credit cards. If you have a credit card punched in on like your Amazon app or say your Hulu account, if you have Hulu on the go or whatever, or HBO Max or Disney Plus, anything like that. If your credit card is in an app, they got it. Your purchase history, they're able to get the information on your credit score, including other financial information. If you have the health app on your phone. Now, Apple has health. I know Samsung has a version. I'm sure Google Pixel has a little health version. You know, you wear the Apple Watch or the accompanying watch, and it monitors your sleep and your heart rate and, and all that stuff. Well, if you download Threads, guess what? That information is now in the hands of Mark Zuckerberg. Does it belong to him? No. Does he have it because he stole it anyway? Yes. It has all your health and fitness information. It has access to your emails, your text messages, including from other apps. So even though you're using threads, threads can read your messaging in other apps. It has access to your photos. It has access to your videos. It has access to your audio recordings. If you use like the voice memo function on your phone or anything like that, it's got them. The podcast you've downloaded or even recorded yourself, Mark Zuckerberg has them. It has access to your files and documents. All the files and documents you have in your phone saved, Mark has them as well. 
It has access to your calendar events. So if you use calendars, they know exactly when and where you're going to be at all times. Not only do they know where you are currently because they have your location data, they know where you're planning on being because they have access to the events in your calendar. They have access to your contacts in your phone, your saved phone numbers, that is. They have access to your web browsing history. And they have access to the activity you're doing on pretty much any other app you have on your phone. They know when you're playing Candy Crush. They know when you're scrolling through Instagram. They know when you're looking at the news app you have on your phone. What's that? You like playing Minesweeper when you have a few minutes to kill on your phone? Guess what? Facebook and Meta now know when you do that. That is what happens when you simply download the app Threads. All you got to do is download it. And that is what they will be stealing from you. So I ask you, does that sound like it's going to put Twitter out of business? No. To me, that sounds like a lawsuit waiting to happen. These tech companies are getting outrageously cocky with what they are willing to steal from people. And I do say steal because they just take it. Moving on from there, Bud Light had quite uh, a week this week in the news. Bud Light sales had plunged. They went down 28.5% ahead of the July 4th weekend. And if you don't know, the July 4th weekend is a pretty big weekend for beer sales. And the weekends leading up to the July 4th weekend are pretty big weekends for beer sales. It's kind of their bread and butter. 28.5% less sales this July 4th weekend compared to last July 4th weekend. And if you're curious as to where that puts them uh, nationally, Bud Light, which was at one point in the very recent past, the number one beer in the country, Bud Light is now the number 14th most popular beer in the country. Talk about a fall from grace. Not looking good for them. And unfortunately for Anheuser-Busch, broadly speaking, it might have a pretty negative effect on their sister brands. Michelob Ultra, the nation's number three beer last year, was down 4% in sales. Bush Light sales were down by 8.5%. And both of them lost a couple of rings on the, the rating scale there as well nationally. So, you know what? I think this is proof more than anything that protest works. If you allow the consumer to participate in the free market, if they do something they dislike, they will take their business elsewhere. That applies to the left, and that applies to the right. That applies to liberals, and it applies to conservatives. And we're looking at that right now. And finally, the last thing that I want to discuss uh, on this week's episode of Plot Summary that we talked about on the Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG uh, Joe Biden announced that he will be sending Ukrainian armies cluster bombs. And just to put into perspective how unpopular of an idea this is, the U.K. and Spain have both independently officially said that they think that is a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah, when your own allies are like, okay there, buddy, let's take it back a notch. That's when you know you got a bit of a problem. The reason why the U.K. and Spain uh, very quickly said don't send them cluster bombs is because these type of munitions often pose uh, a pretty serious risk and danger on civilian populations. Essentially, what a cluster munition is, is it's a type of rocket or bomb or a missile or 
I mean, it could be a trebuchet, uh, for crying out loud, any sort of projectile, really, that essentially goes up in the air and it explodes midair way before it hits its target. And when it explodes, it rains down debris and more explosives in a pretty large area. And the reason why this could be a threat to civilian populations is because they're pretty hard to control. You know, when it blows up midair, at that point, uh, it's kind of up to God. (laughs) It's up to God in which way the winds are blowing. Because if stuff is just falling out of the sky, well, it has a high risk of maybe a wind picks it up or it bounces off something and goes flying 30 miles down and blows up an entire village. Who knows? They're completely, they're, they're crazy. They're crazy, crazy bombs. And additionally, statistically speaking, they also have a high risk of failure, which means this cluster bomb could just land on the ground and then hours, days, Weeks later, they could explode. So if you have, uh, you know, let's say an enemy army out in a field and you're fighting them and you drop a cluster bomb and it doesn't explode. Well, a couple days later, when the battle's over and you have civilians cruising through the area, the bomb might blow up and uh, bye bye. So for that reason, you know, cluster bombs are kind of frowned upon. You know, they're not quite war crime level, but they're pretty darn close to it. And the Biden administration, who, if you remember about a year ago, said that they're not going to escalate the war no matter what, is now going to send them almost war crimey weapons. So that's great. I'm glad that they got that under control. But that's about everything we're going to cover this week on Plot Summary. Those are some of the things we discussed on this week's Morning News Watch at News Talk KZRG. Next week, Peter Thiel returns triumphantly. The throne of Thiel will feel his warmth once more. We're looking at a pretty hot week next week. Some scattered thunderstorms throughout the week. News Talk KZRG will have you covered. As you know, we do 100 weather updates every day. Pretty sweet. So tune in next week. You can also tune in on our Facebook page. We're pretty darn active with our uh, Facebook Live listeners during the morning news watch. You can leave comments and More often than not, what people discuss in the comments on Facebook Live make it into the actual show on air. So if you want a shout out or to, you know, maybe lead the conversation a little bit, tune in on Facebook Live. We'd love to see you there. And remember, if you ever miss anything, you can always catch it right here on Plot Summary with News Talk KZRG.